The irony, I was about to start the episode by saying that the last one was the best recorded ever because the sound was pristine and we've been having issues for the past 12 minutes about trying to set up your microphone. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's always the way. Yeah. I think that means my Mac Pro is finally like, just kill me, just kill me. <laughs> my poor Mac Pro. All right. <sighs> uh, so we're going to need this. We're going to need a lot of luck, I think. I just want to tell you both good luck. Yes, yes, we are. So we're back. We're back after what, six weeks and a hiccup. We were supposed to record <laughs> a few weeks ago. It didn't happen for many reasons. You'll see why. You'll understand eventually why. Uh, nothing, nothing somber, uh, just that we had a date. We Everything was set up and then we couldn't. And then I left uh, for Italy. Um, we'll, we'll do a redo of that one. Um, and we've both been traveling. Uh, you've been in quite a few places, but uh, I think that. Today, uh, we want to do the, the promise I, I gave at the end of the previous episode, which is the Italian-flavored turkey, because it will have three <laughs> flavors of Italy and a bit of turkey, because you've been to Turkey. And for mm -hmm. once, it will be interesting, because, um, because I'm going to be the one who's done the stuff that we always do, which is flying BA three times to these uh, uh, airports to, that I will describe. And you've been the one going for an airline you had never flown with to yep. an airport you had never flown to. So that will or be from. interesting. Or yep. from. Yeah, or from, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, Which yeah. I'm very interested to hear about. Uh, you, you guys understood the, the little quip, uh, Turkey, so Turkey, uh, Istanbul, the new Istanbul, which I've been to, and I think we've done an episode about a few, well, I was about to say a few years ago, but with COVID, I don't know when that was. I had been just when it was opened and I had been only on a layover. So I described that as well as I could. And it was clearly not fully there yet, as in it was oh, amazing, really? but not fully there. We'll go there in the second part of the show. First, we'll start with the, with Italy for, you know, the, the, the yeah, last yeah. remaining days of summer we were having. We're recording today the 27th of uh, September, 2023. This will count guys as the episode of september no matter when i can release this because i have so much work that i might not be able to release it before the first or second of october but if that please it's still <clears throat> the september episode um uh, and and i need to play the music before we there we go i'm personally very happy to see alex i haven't seen him in forever even on the screen yeah it's been ages how have you been all good Good, yeah. I think since we last uh, recorded, we celebrated my grandmother's 100th birthday, which is kind of a yes. fun milestone. And uh, my son's 13th, so. That was one of the reasons yeah, we didn't yeah. record that particular episode that will be going later in the year, because you had a very busy schedule. And then when you told me that, I was like, 100, holy cow, that's crazy. Yeah. I, you, I hope for you, and you probably do, have the this the set of genes. I hope so too. You'll be able to do layovers and attaché until you're 100. I'll already be dead already by then, but you can, <laughs> you know, keep up the flame. I hope so. I hope so. She is the definition of a life well lived. So we uh, enjoyed celebrating her. Yeah, well, I'm sure. Um, how was it? Was it fun? I, I think your brother Will was there as well, right? Yeah, my brother, all of us were here, all the grandkids and great grandkids. So it was a monumental week of celebration. And she's not a person that enjoys that t type of attention, but I think she was able to really enjoy us all coming together for uh, a, a, literally a once in a lifetime <laughs> uh, <laughs> moment. So it was great. It was great. That's fantastic, man. I mean, 
I, I can only wish all of you guys that uh, you can live to 100, if you want yeah. to, obviously. If you want I, to, exactly. If, exactly. Exactly, if you want to. And if you're in the, the form that she is as well, because uh, mm -hmm. uh, you told me, and I've seen a few stories from Will where she appears, and I was like, damn, she doesn't look like she's 100. She looks like, like very full of energy. That's yeah, yeah, she still, still lives on her own, still takes care of herself, waits the garden, can drink me under the table. And she's, <laughs> she's, yeah, for sure. And you told me, didn't you tell me that she did his crazy travel when she had to, mm. what, did she go to Australia or something? And it took her like two weeks? What yeah, she, um, she was born in India and her parents lived there while she was at school in the UK. And so she would take the Imperial Airways flights from London back to India and she wrote a journal of it I mean, just as an offhand sort of travel log of, of, of the journey. And it was, and produced it just like uh, maybe like three or four months ago. And it was absolutely captivating shorthand recollections of stops in all of these places that in some, in some places are literally dust now. Uh, yeah. But she wow. recalls it very fondly and very vividly. Uh, it's, it's like having your very own time machine to be able to, t to talk to somebody who's experienced that. So, um, yeah, yeah. In an era where we can never actually experience, um, including the way people used to travel, right? It's, uh, yeah. Now we can the, just zip through the air. Uh, that was not a quip on the zip air, but the zip through the air, like in <laughs> direct flights to wherever yeah. it's, uh, yeah. it was more of a journey, wasn't it? And, and some of the places that they stop off are now completely inaccessible for geopolitical reasons. And, mm -hmm geographic reasons so it was interesting to hear if you ever if you guys fly ba long haul on their ife buried in the i think it's in the brand branded section maybe or box sets i can't remember of the ife is a british airways channel and in there they've got all of these wonderful paraphernalia videos propaganda videos of that were sort of co-produced with imperial airways and it shows some of this stuff and it's just mind-blowing what they what that experience was like so i, I it's, it's i love it i watch it even though if i watch them a hundred times i watch them every time i fly i don't think i've ever watched it no, i need to watch oh, it's it wonderful next time. there's a whole there's maybe 25 videos from throughout the the from the 30s all the way up to the early 80s nice well yeah no, that, well that's, well that's, worth that's, spending that's, some time on exactly that settles my next long haul with ba you know, there you go i why did i never watch maybe because yeah. he's buried under, under brand which is not the most obvious for historical, you know, I don't want to be given like commercial lessons about how cool a logo is. <laughs> no, it's like, it's like, you know, the HBO brand and, and the Ted brand it's, it's, a, and it's, it's okay. in a different section on each IFE system just to make it even harder, but it's so worth looking for. Well, I will do, I will do. So let's go to, let's go to Italy to start with, if you don't yeah, mind. I'm excited um, to hear about this. But yeah, I should, I should point out. We've, we've obviously, as always, gotten a lot of feedback from our previous episodes. I'll put them in plural, especially the one when you described in the last one your journey, uh, not like your grandmother, but still a journey uh, throughout the US, then uh, uh, Japan and uh, back via Hawaii, by the way. Uh, we, we forgot to say that Sam. Um, we were thinking obviously about the victims of the huge fires in Hawaii. We should have mentioned that last time. Yeah. Uh, and that that includes as well in Greece as well. There's been others during this uh, summer, sadly. Um, 
I'm not going to do feedback for a simple, very simple reason is that I have so much work these days that I just didn't have time to gather the feedback. So guys, I'm so sorry. I might do next time, uh, whenever that is. I, I have a full, like until the first week of November, I'm really under the water. It's floods of emails. And the fact that I've been just on holidays in September uh, was great. I'll come to that, but was not good for my uh, workload because I'm really like suffering right now. So thank you for Alex for finding uh, for uh, uh, adapting his timing for me this morning to being able to to record one episode at least for now. So Italy, um, for some reason, the three airports all start with the letter B. Mm. But it's not uh, like Canada, where all the airports start uh, with a letter Y. You've never been to Canada? <laughs> I have to play that, of course. Um, it's just because I've been to Bologna, Brindisi, and Bari, and they all start with the letter B. Uh. That, that's it, right? Uh, so let's start with Bologna, uh, B-L-Q. It's not a sandwich. Uh, <laughs> so... Compared to last time when I took BA, remember I took the tube and I mistakenly stopped at the wrong station in the wrong terminal and I was like, oh wow, this airport has changed. This time I took an Uber. I said, you know, better be safe than all stupid. Uh, and I went, it was 5.30 a.m. as well. That also explains Ugh. it because at 5.30, there's, uh, for me, it's still difficult to grab the Piccadilly line. Anyway, I arrive there and it's already buzzing on uh, Washington Road. For those who don't know, Washington Road is the name of the road where they drop you off. They actually have a name for that road, Washington Road. Uh, T5, it was already buzzing. Uh, first swing was super fast. That was in the summer though. Uh, so we're talking here July. The security was very random. I remember because, um, you know, when they put you to that machine that turns around, the, yeah, mm. uh, the guy had to do it three times with me. And I said, but why? He said, yeah, you're too tall. What? Yeah. <laughs> but you've, it's not like you, it's not like you had a little growth spurt over the summer. You've always been quite tall. So I, I, I right. That's uh, weird. Well, I passed, but that was, uh, that was a, yeah, I'm too tall for this machine. So Heathrow, please uh, do uh, upgrade your machines. Or I don't know, maybe I'll reduce the length of my legs. Anyway, <laughs> nice, you know, first swing was nice. Uh, you know, coffee, my fruit salad and my pain au chocolat. As you guys know from now, I always take a pain au chocolat. Crowded? It was actually nice. It was not too full. Uh, it was six at that time. At 6.30, however, it was completely rammed by people. It's like, mm. uh, like we said many times, it feels like everyone, their grandmother and their ghost is traveling. It's just <laughs> incredible. There was no more seats available. I mean, I, I know you've been a few times as well. Have you also seen all the lounges full every single time? I haven't been through T5 since I got back from California. So, um, and the other ones I've taken uh, were out of London City, where, where there is no lounge. So, I, no, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, because I'm wondering, I was, you know, I sat there watching all these people and thank God I had a seat. Then again, I didn't stay because when it becomes too busy, it was like, you know, I'm just going to go to the terminal. I'm wondering if, for, first of all, there's more delay. So maybe more people are waiting in the lounges for longer. So they clog up the, the lounges. There's uh, also, there's been some bad weather as well, obviously. There's more people seemingly, and I'll come to that in another flight that I've done. There's more people flying in premium cabins lately, especially on short mm. hauls. So maybe that adds up to people that have access to lounges. I'm not only talking here the first class lounge, but all lounges. And when I say all lounges, I'm also wondering because the other was the galleries lounge, galleries, north, south, etc are also completely rammed. And I'm wondering if that's because so many people got downgraded to silver and that's yep. uh, where they can go now. But that still means that, I don't know, there's a, and, and yeah, and there's simply, because there's still a little bit of shortage of aircrafts, 
maybe there's fewer rotations or aircraft are mm. more full, which is maybe good for the load factors, but then everybody comes at the same time. It really feels like it's a, uh, oh, and maybe, yeah, uh, that's the last one I thought about. Maybe, and I am in this game as well, um, because we're, we're, we're out of COVID, but we've been trained to come super early just in yeah. case. I mean, you and me, we've always been early, which means that people tend to linger maybe longer in lounges as well. I don't know. There was a, there have been a lot of posts on Flyer Talk lately about the phenomenon that you're describing vis-a-vis T5 and yeah. that the people are being turned away from the galleries lounges, the business class lounges. There you go. Or there's an hour wait to get in because, and, and the, all of the factors that you just described have been, have been listed as possible slash probable causes for this. So it's just, it seems to be like a confluence of, of circumstance, which I have not experienced yet, but I will, I guess the next time I fly be at a T5, which I don't know when that will be. Cause I, I keep trying to avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to mention something about the, this uh, first wing, first class lounge, you know, following because that at that point in July, I was like, yeah, it's fine. I didn't stay. I stayed for 20 minutes basically. And I had my punch, I my coffee and I went out. I was at gate A1, a so the other side, I walked through, there was, the airport was rammed. I knew that the, the plane was there from last night, the, the night before. So I was like, it's fine, there's no delay. It was a, a 320, I think, a 320 that was maybe 10 years old. What was interesting at the gate, uh, so the, the flight was full to Bologna. At the gate, you had clearly some tension, I would even say anger. A lot of people were asked to actually check in at the gate and they didn't like that, including people that were uh, status silver, etc. They didn't like that. I was gold, so probably in my, my luggage, you know, I was leaving for three days, so it was not really big. Even though it was a wedding and I had like some attire, it was fine. But uh, yeah, it didn't fly well. People are a bit more tense as well. I think the, the fact that there's more people, people, are the, you know, there's all these things, the COVID it creates a little bit of anxiety and uh, maybe a little bit, it, it was no, no insults or whatever, nothing to do with your drunken, uh, crazy, stupid passenger in your flight uh, in uh, that you described last time. But still, yeah, I was traveling on, in business class on that one. And so Club Europe, as they call it. Uh, what I love about, uh, I mean, as you know, there's nothing special about uh, you just have a seat free in the, in the middle, but I was in, in the first row. And uh, I, the reason I was flying business class is because the business class was, the flights were very, are still very expensive to Europe, even in economy. And yep. the difference between BA economy and BA business class was like 50 pounds. And I was like, you know what, yeah. I'm going to get some miles maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. What I love about that first row is that the, the overhead bin is very big on top. I mean, it's a normal overhead bin. However, because in many other airlines, and I'm looking at you, Lufthansa, that first, the first bin that is above row one is a tiny one. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can usually I, I cannot put even my luggage because some some crew has put like some stuff there. And so I'm a very thank you, BA, for having this big one. I know it's a very stupid thing, but I like that. Um, so so then suddenly I, I said there was no delay, but we're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. And the, the captain uh, comes on the PA and says, uh, we're supposed to be full. We're supposed to be on time. But there's tw there are 20 passengers from New York that were delayed and now very delayed and now won't be able to make it. 
And that's why you're seeing empty seats. So suddenly there were a lot of empty seats. People were quite happy. Uh, in other words, what he said is that, too bad you're late, goodbye. Um, so we left. There was no, um, I'm going fast, as you can see on this flight, because there's nothing special special really because we've done so many times these type of flights no recognition but again i repeat i don't care even though it was in business class but they were they were you know they were nice nothing nothing great nothing bad it was more better than neutral so it was a pleasant flight nothing special about it i have a question because i'm trying to figure out if this is a theme or not was your meal uh hot or cold if you can remember. remember cold yeah yes cold yeah, I, I think almost all of them now in Club Europe, irrespective of the time of day, are cold. You're right. You're right. I didn't, I didn't pick, it, pick it up last time, but used to be that the morning flights, you had like some kind of breakfast that was yeah. an omelette or something that was hot. No, you're right. It was cold. I think, I think that's a trend. And actually, I actually personally think that it improves the quality. Because if you're giving somebody a, a cheese, you know, a charcuterie for for breakfast yeah. instead of a f foul powdered egg omelet. You know what? I think you have a higher chance of success. So, yes. okay. That's interesting. So it's not, is it, it's not just uh, what are they called? BA city flyer. So it, that's, that's interesting. I think that's good. I think that's a good choice. Yeah, no, you're right. Actually uh, you, you trigger uh, a memory when I was flying heavily with Lufthansa and heavily starting also the first flight in the morning, it was never hot. It was always yeah. also some cold cuts. And like you said, it's easier to present them well because they already present 100%. on the plate and everything. Whereas sometimes, like you said, the omelette, when it, they have to put it on the plate, put it like in, you know, the heating thing. Yeah. It looks a bit soggy and not the most. Oh, it's foul. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think about my, my Swiss flight from, from Lisbon to Zurich and it was a, a box and it was cold and it was delicious. So much easier. I, I, I really hope that, that BA are doing what I think they're doing on this one because it yeah, will just make it all a little bit more palatable. We'll get to that because we had uh, one feedback that I might go later about uh, the drink service. But yeah, uh, I have the note somewhere, so I'm not going to mention it now. Because it could also be cost cutting. I don't. I'm not sure. It might mm -hmm. be just easier as well not to have to heat every single thing. Yeah, uh, it's less work. I don't know. Uh, yeah, so I land in uh, Bologna. It's raining. You're like in July. What the hell? Anyway, so Bologna Airport, it's the first time I've been there. It's not very big uh, because Bologna, I don't know, maybe the city must be like a few million people. Uh, there was only, a, there was a lot of Ryanair aircrafts and uh, one Turkish. Uh -huh, this is something you're going to talk about. And uh, I think one US airline. I don't remember which one. Um, passport was super fast, of course, because I have a passport that is not British, so I can actually use a queue that goes much faster. Uh, hello, Alex. I'm sure that you have stories now to tell us about that. Um, the guy wanted to stamp my passport. I look at him and said, no, 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 no. <laughs> this doesn't need to put a stamp. Um, so, yeah, I was the fastest out there. Um, the one thing of note at that airport on arrival is that as soon as you clear, um, you know, baggage clean and everything, what is there? Um, usually some airports provide you with an exit duty-free shop. Um, no, there's a Lamborghini dealer. Of course there is. Of course there is, right. And there's a, this, I don't remember which, I my my limit to know Lamborghini is Countach, maybe that's a car we grew up with. I don't know what model they have, Aventador or something. It was there like in all its like goldish glory and literally you could buy one. Because I entered, I said, okay, come on, I need to, to see if it's actually a shop or just a display. No, no, there's a sales rep. 
there's a receptionist and uh, they take you through like you can even enter the car which i didn't do because at that time i needed to go to grab my car a europe car which was not a strangely enough not lamborghini, lamborghini. <laughs> <laughs> i wish how disappointing uh, <laughs> Anyway, that's that's a really the one thing of note because other than that, I mean, there's nothing special to note about that airport. I'll come more interestingly when I will have left. Uh, actually, I had a Chinese car. It's the first time, you know, I driven a Chinese car, so I arrive and they give me like the oh, we've upgraded you to an SUV. I'm like oh, super cool, and I look. Like, what is Link and Co? Uh, L Y N K and Co. And um, yeah, uh, I actually looked it up. It's Geely. So basically, what it is, it's a Volvo XC60. Everything is Volvo, and I think they just redid the exterior to look at like a spaceship. Great car, but uh, then again, I like Volvos. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, so I stopped on the way with the car. This is just an aside in Modena, uh, since we Ferrari is hometown, and yeah, it's the Motor Valley because there's uh, like you said Ferrari, but Maserati is around. There's Lamborghini as well, and I think Ducati. The, oh the wow, motor, motorcycles! They also they also there. De Tomaso, Pagani, all the guys are basically in that region, and most of them have headquarters in Modena. I didn't go. Uh, sorry, guys, I didn't go to see any. There's a Ferrari museum. Uh, I just went to see some architecture. There's Aldo Rossi we created. I, I, I spent, I know, that's me being very weird. You learned something about me. I mean, Alex already knows. I spent two hours in a cemetery uh, because there's a cemetery in Modena where Aldo Rossi, who is a famous architect, has built parts of the cemetery. It looks like something out of uh, science fiction. I it's really wonderful. Of course, it's, you have to be very respectful, but I did a lot of architecture photography. And then I left to... Um, yeah, I'm weird, guys. Uh, 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 didn't go for Ferrari. I left <laughs> Mantua, or called Mantova, which was for Matteo Penzo's wedding. Wonderful little city. Had a lot of fun. Uh, skip that. Go back. And this time, that's interesting. So in that car, and this is why I mentioned the car. In that car, and that's something I appreciate. There's a CarPlay. You know, you can just plug yeah, your iPhone. Yes, yeah, you. Automatically, you you put your destination, which is better than fiddling with whatever GPS they already yeah. set now. If you're British, uh, whatever you have there. The thing is, and I'm going to show it to Alex. So let me open my phone. I put Bologna Airport. I was a bit you know, post-wedding, shit, I have to go to the airport to have like a two hour, like an hour and 45 minute drive or something. I want to be early because it's the first time actually departing from Bologna and I don't know about customs and I don't know about, you know, Brexit, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I go to the car and of course also, yeah, I should mention having an SUV in a small Italian town is also <laughs> not very recommended because every turn you do it like three times. And especially when your car is parked in the tightest possible place in an underground garage, probably built by the Romans. Um, it took me like half an hour to get out. Thank God for all the cameras around. Anyway, uh, and I quickly... And I don't know if it's a jokester. I quickly put Bologna Airport on Apple, and uh, I'm going to show to Alex. So, uh, can you, where is where's the camera here? Uh, this is Bologna. Maybe sorry, it's not. No, but no, anyway, no, I'm going to just zoom in, and you'll see where Bologna Airport is on Apple. It's in the middle of the city. Is it exactly? So anyway, the thing is, because I didn't check, I just put Bologna Airport. Go. Seems reasonable. And I drive, and I drive, and I drive, and at some point, I see a. That's me being stupid. I see like the sign saying airport this way. And I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> the car tells yeah. me to go straight. So I go straight. And at some point I'm like in the middle of the city and I'm like, there's no way there's an airport in the middle of the city. Or maybe there is, maybe it's such a tiny airport, like it's not a city airport. Maybe it's actually tucked into after a corner, I'll see it. And I don't know why I've done this. And of course I'm driving 
and I'm not stopping, so I, I cannot really fiddle with the, the map to see. And, and yeah, so I basically landed in the center of the city because some random dude has put, because there's another Bologna airport on Apple, uh, Apple Maps, some random dude has probably put a pin there that has been accepted by app. I don't know. Or maybe it's the old location of the headquarters of uh, Bologna airport offices. Anyway, yeah, so, so I lose like a lot of time in, again, in Italian traffic in rather small streets. And then I'm, shit, I'm going to be stressed out. I'm going to miss. So, you know, once I missed my, I took the, the wrong uh, tube station. And this time I take the actually wrong airport. <laughs> exactly. So basically, I'm in a, well, quote unquote airport, right? Yeah. Oh, and, you man. know, and it's like that's kind of moment of like these 10 minutes of like, yeah, maybe it's a shortcut. Well, maybe actually the airport is quite central to the city, but you know, after all, you know, I'll, I'll get there. And you know, it kind of sinks over time. You keep driving, there's traffic, there's people behind you, or plus, you know, if you don't drive too fast, they like honk and flash mm -hmm. you. So I'm like, okay, I'm going, going. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to stop and I need to check that. And I'm like, where the hell am I? <laughs> anyway, I was able to visit a little bit of Bologna, though. That was <laughs> kind of nice. Um, um, well, Anyway, I I ended up, of course, refining the right route to the airport. I, I, I lost 40 minutes to, to do this little adventure. Anyway, I, because like you, I'm always early, it was fine. I could realize then that the airport has a lot of work that is being done. So, of course, as always, the arrivals where I, when the Lamborghini shop is, is on the ground floor and the departures on the upper, like traditional airports. But basically, the entire departure thing is completely in reconstruction to the point that you cannot even access with a car. You know, there's a ramp, everything is closed. Anyway, I go there uh, and I'm looking because I'm gold. I'm saying, maybe there's a fast track and maybe there's a lounge. Well, so first is they're very badly signed, but what I realized is that the fast track is in the lounge. So the lounge is land side, and then from the lounge, you have a fast track. What do you think about these kind of designs? I, I I'm just trying to think about how that would work. I think if, ex if it's executed well, it could be fantastic. Yeah, so I love, there's a few things I love. The, I mean, for, it's a bit confusing, but the one thing that is really interesting is that it means that if you have priority pass, which allows access to that lounge, it's a unique lounge, it's the only lounge, or any other form oh, of, and yeah. Beer Gold was also allowing me, it means that you're guaranteed to get fast track because you're in the lounge. So as long as you have any type of access, even though you might not have had fast track through maybe your proprietary pass doesn't give you fast track, well, you have access. So that's a plus. The, the only maybe negative is that it doesn't really tell you how long is that then for the gate. So you assume it's a small airport, but that's it. You still land side as long as you're in the lounge. So I'm, I'm overthinking this. I'm like, should I go now? Should I go? And the last bit, and that's for you guys, if you ever go to Bologna Airport, is that that fast track closes at 7 p.m., mm. meaning that if you were to have a later flight, which I did, at some point you'll have to exit and go through the normal uh, security. So you can be in the lounge and then come out and go through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. But what I did is because I absolutely wanted to try that fast track, even though it was a bit early for me, I went just before the closing of that fast track at uh, just 6.55. And it's, it's, you know, it's nothing to write home about. There's like two people there waiting in line and I go and it was pretty quick. One of the two people, by the way, was probably 16 and it was a Ryanair pilot. I know they all look so young, don't they? Right. All of them. I know it's us becoming old, and when you look at them, like it, I, there's I, I no way. There's no way. Do your parents know where you are? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's no. It, 
uh, yeah, I, I'm glad it's not just me that looks at those guys. And I know that they're eminently qualified. Of course they are, but it's sort of like, of course, you look awfully young. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like looking at him. He was just in front of me, like doing his security thing. I was like, no, there's no way. He's not, he's not of age. He's not even 18. He cannot even drink or something. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> again, I, I reiterate to what Alex, Alex just said. I am fully in agreement with him. They are very qualified. It's just that... Maybe because I'm reaching soon, no, not soon, I'm 48, but the, the age of 50, I look at everybody who's young, like, has to be, they, they look, re and maybe also because sometimes, you know, their, their outfit, their, their, their work uh, outfit is not completely fitted, and you feel like, is, is it, are you not Dress too up. tiny in your this big yeah. suit? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? God. <laughs> anyway. Uh, quick word about the, that lounge uh, is still, it's an okay lounge nothing special too many people so i see you see it's not only t5 but throw maybe too many people uh for its own good as in there are there are quite a lot of seats but there were not quite a lot of space to sit so i did that fast track enter the airport it's nothing again nothing special but it's a zoo man i mean mm. it's a freaking <laughs> zoo. there's so many people so i said okay well i'm just going to go to the duty free to buy some salami because as you do when you're in italy and some stuff to go to to take uh, back home and uh the strangest thing happened actually by the way that duty free i use my revolut because revolut and it's not, it's not paid advertisement guys is that there's no you know foreign exchange fees on foreign exchange foreign currency uh so i use that and it charged me you know what you know how you can choose between mm -hmm. two things so it said one was, of course, uh, Euro, the other was British pounds. For some reason, when I got the thing, it's, I was charging AED, so United what? Emirates dirham. Yeah. That's weird. I didn't go back. I was like, oh, I, I saw it. But I, so is it Revolut? Because, you know, I have multiple accounts with multiple currencies that did a mix up. Or is it the shop that said, oh, we can do a little bit of exchange? I don't know. I will never know. Anyway, just be careful. That's um, odd. I, <laughs> uh yeah so so many people i should have probably stayed in the lounge but anyway i wanted to see that fast track um and then that's the fun bit of my trip i'm at the gate and i'm seeing this plane arriving i'm like this is not ba this is not ba this is not ba it's finair ah fantastic yes although the the announcements they were only made in italian by the way they were you know handmade announcements not pre-recorded ones said, um, this uh, flight, this B British Airways flight will be operated by Firefly. What? <laughs> Firefly? So I know, there's a, I know there's a Malaysian airline called Firefly that is part of One World, I think. So maybe she, because she was a she, misread, you know, because all the, maybe she had all the, the co-chairs in front of her and said Firefly. No, it's not Firefly. It's really thin air. Anyway, the, the boarding process is a bit messy, as oh, is often in Italy. Sorry, guys, at least in smaller airports. Uh, there's a bridge, but then there's not. So you're, you know, you cross, you cross a part of the apron via a bridge, which mm -hmm. doesn't move, you know, it's literally a bridge. And then where there's supposed to be the bridge that actually links to the aircraft, no, no, you take the stairs down and you walk through on the tarmac and you take back the stairs from to the plane. So I'm not exactly sure. Didn't it be a not pay or maybe, I don't know, but for elderly people, it was not fun. But anyway, uh, enter the uh, that Finnair 320 and immediately I was like, this is so Finnair from 
tone of voice, from the colors, from the, of course, the accents. I, I had, uh, uh, I tried to say a few words in, uh, in, in Finnish, um, which means a good evening. And, uh, of course she started speaking to me in, in, in Finnish and I was like, you know, no, that's not going to work. have the passport, but I know five words. Uh, <laughs> It was uh, it was a twenty year old three twenty. I was uh, business class and um, was super well kept and cleaned. The only thing, maybe, and I think I sent you a picture above me. There was clearly a repair that had been done on you know where the the little the, the air vents and the little signs illuminated signs are. There was like a lot of scotch tape and <laughs> but it was well done. If you hadn't paid attention to it. Because I'm the kind like you, I look around in the plane like, oh, this is strange. You wouldn't have noticed there was a there repair. But anyway, very good. The the pilot had his typical Finn accent, talking about accent, the accent of colors, you know, this cool white and gray. It was unmistakably uh, thin. It, it's a very pleasing aesthetic they have on those yes, planes. Absolutely. Um I we had one Megan and I were coming back from Athens or Valencia. And had the had the same thing, and I really really enjoyed the experience. Really enjoyed the experience. Yeah, you see that oh, that's obvious for us and obvious for everyone listening that flies different airlines. You can see it's not only the tone of voice because of the decision of what well, they wanted to brand go with their brand, but it's also simply also cultural. Your know, fins are more um, less you know opulent. Mm -hmm. They're more stiff. I want to say, but it's not it's not correct to use the, the term stiff. I'm um, sorry, my Finn friends, but it works, but you can feel a difference. This is very kind of respectful, distanced, but in a warm way as well. So no, it was really, I, I, I really did uh, did enjoy it. It was interesting. I, I didn't realize it's the 100th anniversary of Finnair. So they had the, the headdress, oh, wow. you know, it was marked Finnair uh, 100. Uh, the airline was born on the 1st of November, 1923. Anyway, so we're there on the ground and everything is fine. And then uh, the first announcement, we're sorry we were late. That was due to a delay at Heathrow. Surprise, surprise. Okay, of course, we know always the same thing. And then five minutes later, he comes back and says, um, so Heathrow just informed us we cannot depart for another 85 minutes. 85? 85. <laughs> they kept the AC running and everything. So that was great. However, and that's where you can see a little bit of the disconnect using you know, these kind of third party to uh, to create capacity, is that the crew apologetically said, we don't have the BA crew app, so we're unable to check connections for you. We, you know, when people were having a connection at Ether, they're like, we can't. Oh, that's interesting. They didn't say like, oh, good luck, and uh, we'll, but they... Basically said, yeah, you'll have to see what you can do at Ethrow. Maybe you can call them on the phone now, but they didn't have the that app. So see, that's an interesting so. disconnect, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Because BA have been reliant on uh, third parties for a while now, and I think they've just signed yeah. some MOUs for throughout the rest of the through through the summer of 2024 to keep that capacity. Yeah. Gosh, absolutely. Thought to fix that problem. Good luck. It's yeah, it's it's a small thing, but I mean, it's it's interesting to note because I hadn't been unlike you, I hadn't been in one of those. Um, but by the way, flighty at that point was not 
Vielleicht die Registered Flight, den, den Get the Gate, No Tail Number, No Nothing. So was, I had to rely on trip in that trip. I don't know why for that specific bit. It happens. We'll, we'll sort that one out one day. Anyway, it's fun that the safety voice track is in Finnish, of course, as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I love the Wi-Fi name, Nordic Sky. Yeah, that's, that's very Japanese. Which made me, made me think... Uh, Jal, yeah, just a Japanese Jal should have a Fujisan. Yeah. And I don't know, BA <laughs> should have coronation chicken. You know? <laughs> I love coronation I chicken. And United would be Sunday ice cream. Yeah. I had a dinner because it was a late flight, as I understood, guys. I had beef. Man, it was very, very, very good. Very tender. They broke with the fork. You didn't need the knife. It was delicious. Wow. It's maybe Finnair, but also I would say trust the Italians to cater a good food. Yeah, uh, one would hope. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. The cutlery, I don't know, maybe you remember that. I don't know if you were in, in Club Europe, mm-hmm. like business class. The cutlery, the glasses, and the trolleys were all BA. Yes. Yeah, because they're being catered out of Heathrow. Yeah. Um, even the menus, the, was the, the menu was BA yeah. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the staff, their their outfit is Finnair yeah. and everything else is Finnair. That's, it's really interesting. So, because I was expecting to get that very famous glass they have. They have a glass where oh, they serve you. I love right? that. Exactly. But they didn't have that. They had the BA with this. You see the, the logo is etched on it. Anyway, mm-hmm. it was it was still nice. I'm just, it's just interesting to see these little things. Um, arrival at Heathrow. So the flight was great. We arrive at Heathrow. Everything is fast. All good. You know, get to the Piccadilly. So really. And I saw on the other ground, I saw a, a 380 by BA. And at that point, I also uh, saw the news that BA is retrofitting um, the 380 with Club Suite, yep. which means the 380 with BA will stay on for a while. So the new door guys, the doors thing, it's good. Uh, so yeah, overall, great f- back and forth flight. The return with Finnair was probably better than BA. <laughs> yeah, but not in a not in a way that BA was was bad. Since we're on, the, on Finnair, uh, just a few things. Um, Finnair. Because of the 100th anniversary, that I looked it up back then, I was like, uh, what's happening? They did uh, repaint two A350s mm. with their famous characters, Moomin. Moomin, yeah. For those who don't know, for, I'm sure you do know, there's uh, these, how, are they, how would you describe them? They look like hippopotamuses. Yes, that's how I would describe it too. Magical Finnish hippos. So I think it's a series of book uh, books, sorry, at the start. And it's been, it's one of these things that went completely crazy that they have like animated shows. And yeah. of course they have like, they even have men, they even have, uh, of course they have a, an attraction park in Finland. But what I didn't know because I was looking up, they also have one in Japan. Uh, you know, it's, I remember it being particularly big in Korea as well. So it doesn't surprise me that they've done that. And uh, and they have a shop in Camden for those who live in England, <laughs> because I spotted it uh, a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, and so so these two three fifties will show them these two characters. The I forgot the name. The two the two main characters. Anyway, they'll be on the fuselage. It will. Yeah, it looks really, it's really really cool. Finnair was in two thousand seven with the first airline that ever uh, ordered a 350. Mm, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, I looked it up. So it's the sixth oldest airline in op- still in operation. Wow. You know which one is the oldest one, I think? KLM? Yeah. Then it's Avianca, Qantas, Aeroflot, and Czech Airlines. And so Finnair is a sixth. But Finnair was originally named Aero, and they 
I think they kept that name until after the Second World War, and Finnair started appearing like in the 50s, and it's only in the 60s that they did that full rebrand, which still lives to this day, this, you know, the, simply using the Finnish flag, uh, and, and, and that also that uh, font they used for Finnair. So that was uh, like in the 60s, and it's still to this day. And by the way, this is why, if you look at um, any apps to find your flight, the, the airline code is a Y, mm -hmm. because it's Aero A and uh, Osaka Hitio I, Hitio means company. So this is why there's not you know people will say Finnair. Where's where's the F here? I always wondered why it was A Y. They did a lot of first. Uh, it was the first ever Western airline to fly to Moscow. That makes sense, I suppose, given its proximity to Russia. It was the first ever small airline to enter the jet age. That was in the 60s. It was the first airline to have Rolls-Royce on these caravels in the 60s as well. Mm. Um, it was the first airline in the world to ever fly a crew of two pilots instead of the three. Oh. When they switched. They were yeah. the first one to so, do that. A330 then? I'm not sure. I didn't check. I was just looking at uh, a little bit when I was Googling because I was um, in the flight, there was Wi-Fi. So looking for trivia about... That's <laughs> interesting. Oh, I want to dig I into that one. That's, that, that's an interesting piece of trivia. They were also the first uh, airline to fly non-stop flights between Western Europe and Japan. And probably, you know, that, that trickles down to now where they are these kind of hub... Yeah. trying to get you to Asia, right? Because they were also, I think, the first, one of the first airlines to fly to some part of Southeast Asia. But I know that they used, I don't have the notes, but I remember seeing that, that's in July, guys. I remember they used the term, the shortest route to Asia. That was, mm. I think, maybe part of even of their, their, their advertising. Yeah. And when they were flying to Bangkok, it was the shortest way to, to get there. Of course, that's just pure geography. But, And I think they were also... In just when the USSR fell, there was the first airline to negotiate the overflight rights to cut time, so to being able to fly over oh, wow. uh, Russia. Yeah, uh, not anymore. Yeah, well, yeah, no, clearly not anymore. They are also the the official airline for Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> no, Santa Claus lives in in Finland. Yeah, I mean, they, they had a lot of firsts. I think the first airline from Western Europe to China, stuff like that. So they really uh, pioneers. Oh, and yeah. First airline to ever acquire and install defibrillators really? in cabins, and uh, and they also they also did once an Angry Bird flight. It was a l longest ever flight of Angry Birds. <laughs> That's I don't know if that counts as a first, but yeah. Um, anyway, so it's it's Skytrax. Uh, you know, we know what we think about. You guys know what we think about Skytrax. These these boats are not always the most, uh, but uh, it's been named the best airline in Northern Europe for like 15 years. I don't remember. Like this, it's it's a very good airline, right? So, and uh, and they have a sauna if you if you are at their Helsinki lounge, one of their lounges. And their uh, last piece of trivia, their uh, one of their signature onboard drink is blueberry juice. Mm. More than one million liters of it every year. <laughs> <laughs> a million liters of blueberry juice. I love these little things. Um, so, oh yeah, and a friend of mine, no, was it a friend of mine? I, I remember seeing that, to your point about these wet leases, Yule to Munich. Mm -hmm. It was a Lufthansa flight operated by Eurowings, but actually using a Finnair plane. So it feels like Finnair is really playing on those, you know, yeah. making, must be making quite a good money with that. I mean, they had to, system. right? Because they lost 
so much of their business. Yes. They had no choice. Absolutely. No, 100%. We'll, hopefully one of us will be able to draw their new business class. Anyway, back to uh, BA. Uh, Philippe Plambeck, one of our listeners, sent us a very long message on Instagram. Thank you so much for this. Was it on Instagram? Yeah, I think so. Thank you so much, Philippe, for this. I, I, I'm not going to read through all of it. But one thing that was interesting, he was flying um, Club Europe, and you know how in, in Club Europe, they usually, so in business class, in general in the world, in most airlines, they serve you one drink when you're already in the air. Then they start the food service, if yeah. time allows, of course. Then they start the food service. And then when you do food, they, they come back to serve you maybe the same one you had or maybe something else. Philippe said that in his flight, he was flying to Corfu. So there's probably a four-hour flight or something, a three-and-a-half-hour flight. Uh, so plenty of time to do that that they would usually do. BA didn't serve the first drink, went directly to serve food, and then started the drink service. He said he was set, I think, what he said, 11. Uh, he was not in the front. If I, if I remember correctly, Philip, I'm sorry if I don't have all the details right. But meaning that by the time, you know how it is, by the time you start eating and by the time you finish eating, he hadn't still been served any drinks. Uh, I know, guys, first world problems. But he asked, that's an interesting thing. He asked, and they, I have the quote here, the, the, the flight attendant told him, yes, we've been instructed to do so, to do it in that way, uh, to save on costs. Uh, don't tell the customer hmm. that. Right? <laughs> I don't know. That's just... Uh. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's cost, because I thought about it. At first, I was like, this is ridiculous. But then I said, yeah, because... If you, Alex, get the drink only when you have the food, you're probably not going to ask another time because by then you're finished and you maybe can onboard less bottles. I don't know. Is, yeah, I, I, I've, I'm repulsed by the fact that they told the customer it was due to cost cutting, but I also am trying to work out in my head how that actually works. And I think what you just described is the only way I can think it right? would actually do it. But, <sighs> in July, when I flew that flight I just mentioned, that wasn't the case. At least I don't remember it particularly being a case of, otherwise I would have probably have triggered something. But then again, I was in row one, so maybe mm. I couldn't, maybe, you know, by the time it was so quick that I didn't realize there was no... F Guys, if you've flown BA recently in Club Europe... And he was in business class or economy? I was in business class. Or in Club Europe. Yeah. And, and Philippe was too. Also, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, he also says that apparently they, they switched to a different champagne... He says, by the way, to not to putting under the bus for those who are like rolling their eyes because we're talking about first world problem. He actually says, yeah, it's a first world problem, I know. But huh. he adds, why do I keep buying products that I'm almost guaranteed to feel disappointed in? Hmm? It's a reasonable question. Yeah. Reasonable question. Reasonable question. Uh, and thank you, Philip, for having been to Corfu to Greece. And we, oh, I appreciate that as a Greek. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been for, for for a long, long time. Anyway, um, so the second flight, and then it will be Alex turn. Second flight, uh, this is more recent. This is my 10-day vacation that just happened. Uh, going to Puglia. It's not my first time there. I've been like a little bit less than 10 years ago for a wedding. Another wedding. This is a year as a wedding because in, uh, in two weeks, I'm going to a third wedding in Madrid this time. Um, my flight is London Heathrow to Brindisi, and the return is that. And then 
my friend that you know, Stefan Ganchev, who's yeah. getting married, uh, basically says, can you push back your flight? I say, of course, I'm going to do that. And there's no return flight from BA, from Brindisi to Heathrow on the Monday. And I'm going on Google Flights and I find that there is from an alternative airport, Bowery, on Monday to Gatwick. And I try to go on the website of BA and I try to do that. And there's no effing way you can switch. You can only cancel your flight or change the date of your flight. You cannot switch airports. I know I realize this is double switching because I'm not only departing from another airport, but also landing at a different airport. There's no way you can do that online. So I end up calling. So it was really frustrating for a while. Anyway, I call. And as you know, when you call, you have usually, if you do a change, some extra fees to pay on the phone. And it was probably that call the most delightful customer care experience I've had. And I'm only talking BA in a long, long time. Wow. The guy, some I think his name was Churchill, very appropriately named Churchill, was fantastic. Not only did he find me, did he made that change very quickly, but it was full of wit and fun. And we had a great chat for yeah, what, maybe just, you know, six minutes, whatever. Uh, it was a gold line, admittedly, you know, because I'm still gold and then I'm going to lose it in next a April. BA, when they want, they can be really effing yeah. great. Yeah. And that guy was exactly that. I wrote immediately on, you know, their something to say churchill that guy you need to have recognition because he was freaking fantastic just listen back to the tape if you still have it also added to the surprise that i was expecting to be quoted because the prices to go to puglia south of italy in september even when i bought them back in last march were extortionately expensive and mm. we're talking even if you were flying easyjet even if you're flying a low cost yeah, yeah. it was at least 500 per person in economy oh jeez and and that was in March. So I was expecting to get a flight change for some crazy amount, but I really wanted to do it. And the guy is like, oh, yeah, it's going to be 60 pounds. I'm like, are you sure? So the flight on Monday that goes from a different airport to a different airport, and that includes the fees. Yeah, all included 60 pounds. Like, okay, fine. Wow. So I was also, of course, happy about that. But it was the interactions. BA can be really good when they want. Yeah. And this guy was freaking fantastic. I feel like that's a trend now, right? Because I think that's a trend now because the last the last two or three stories that I've told about calling the BA service center, be it gold or silver, have been extremely positive. Good. I'm happy. I don't know. Because it's... And it didn't say that because, you know, it was very careful. But he said that he had been very pleased to talk to someone like me because I was very cheerful and, you know, I was not pushing back. Yeah. And what I understood... Because again, he was not about to criticize other passengers and customers who were calling him. But what I understood is that I understand that if people end up calling, is because they've not been able to do anything on their phone or on the web, and they are at a point of frustration higher than at the start of their journey yeah. trying to do a change. From what I understood, again, he didn't say so. Uh, people sometimes can be very angry or even borderline, probably even insulting, which is not really... It was like, you're being so nice. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, it's not your fault, you, that you, I cannot change something. And uh, by the way, I want just to get it done. Yeah. I can spend it in the first five minutes like uh, shouting on why IT, the BA of IT <laughs> sucks. But at the end of the day, I wanted to change my flight exactly. and it's not his fault. Exactly. Right? It's just maybe me. Maybe I'm too polite and too smart. No, no, I think it's important to note. And it worked. Uh, so that second flight, Heathrow to Brindisi. I receive, 
And we'll talk about that. We're not going to talk about your flight to Berlin uh, this time. We'll do a specific episode about that in other flights. But I received an email the day before that the first wing is going to be closed. And I'm like, what? Again, first world problems. It's fine if there's no first wing. And you told me, you heard or maybe you read something about being a security issue because of that. There was a prisoner who escaped in London. Yes. Yeah, I think we had experienced the same thing or at least the fallout from the same thing. I was at City and you were at Heathrow and there was extra scrutiny to try and find this chap who escaped from actually just up the road from you, right? I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> Next door from, there's a, it's not the highest security prison, but there's a big prison not very far from where I live. The guy actually taped taped himself under a truck mm -hmm. to escape. This is this looks like great escape tech type of shit. You know? Yeah, it's very cloak and dagger. But you said something that made me also very laugh when you wrote, you told me that, are they, were they expecting that the dude would just show up at first wing and just like, <laughs> yeah, have a flight? <laughs> yeah, it did seem a little bit like, are we sure we're putting the resources in the right place here, people? <laughs> anyway, not a big deal. So I arrived thinking it would be completely closed, but actually, the checking section was open, so it's only security that was closed, which was not clear on the email. So first wing checking counters were completely empty, which is great. I arrive and I give my passport, the usual thing, because I, 10 days plus wedding needed to check some luggage in. And for the first time ever at BA, she apologized. She apologized for not being able to upgrade me. And I'm like... Wow. Shit, did I, I, I didn't ask for, like, in my head, I'm like, did I say something because it's early morning and maybe I, I, I was too aggressive as she thought that I really wanted? No, but I realized that, I mean, I knew that, but probably that's why. It was my birthday. So maybe uh, she thought that wow. would, she would make a gesture, but, but she apologized. She didn't say, happy birthday. Oh, and by the way, she's just like, I'm, we're very sorry. I, I cannot upgrade you. And I'm like... Well, by the way, it would have been my first ever time being upgraded, so I will never get an upgrade for a BA by being gold. But anyway, that was really kind of her. But I didn't, it didn't trigger until I left, and I said, well, why would she? Yeah. Oh, she probably saw my birth date on my passport or whatever and thought to make a nice gesture. Uh, but I was very kind from her. That is, yeah. Very nice. Um, fast track non-first wing is the slow track as you know because yeah. it's very badly designed and there's too many people and it's cramped and it's uh and like you said at the end you know like when you reach the end you're like on this almost terrace and you mm -hmm. everybody is trying to put their belts back on anyways it's just it's not a great experience but it's fine you know whatever and then even though the first wing was closed security the first class lounge is open and we're here like it's 5 30 in the morning and i'm trying to get to that first class lounge the escalator is closed. The stairs are closed. What? So cordon off. And I'm like, how the hell? And then I see there's the elevator, which fits maybe three people. That's it. And goes super slow. And there's a queue of uh, about 40 of us trying to get there. I don't know what they were playing at. Uh, the result, however, was that the, the first class lounge, when I finally reached it, reached it was... Uh, very, very empty, completely empty. That's odd. And it's the first time I've seen empty in five or six years. You remember, yeah. we probably talked about in the podcast, even Alex, we used to go very early in the morning just before he was full. I saw it really, 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 really empty. And man, I will say, 
it's tired. Mm-hmm. As in, when it's empty, you suddenly see all the the floors, the wooden floors near the food area is they're completely scratched. The carpets are stained everywhere. You know, when it's full of people and luggages and people walking, yeah, you, you don't, don't see that. But when it's empty, I'm like, really, it needs an overhaul. And it's some, including some of the the sofas, I know they replaced some of them because some of them are new, but yeah. When you see, when I, guys come back to the episode I, I talked about Air France in their new lounger in uh, in T2F at Charles de Gaulle, or when you think about some of the lounges at Frankfurt, and guys, you know what I think about Frankfurt. This is not really up to the same standard, I, and I'm not, I don't know, they need to do a refurb, but maybe they cannot because it's so full and if they close it, it's going to be a nightmare, but there's, there's something has to be done. I don't know. They're not competing on that level. I, I, maybe you disagree, but I don't know. I, I agree completely. I think we've been saying that for a while now. They're, they really have to rehabilitate that entire lounge. And it has so much potential, right? Because it's such a great space. So hopefully yeah. they have that uh, yeah. somewhere in their medium term strategy. I really hope so. Yeah. Hopefully. And even, you know, in general, when you think, and I know that's unfair, but, you know, Heathrow, the more I go, the more I find it look tired as well. It happens, and that's not the only airport. I said that about Dubai. I don't know. There's something, uh, there's a new CEO, which is incoming. He comes from uh, Copenhagen, Copenhagen Airport. So um, hopefully he'll make a, you know, better airport and maybe also better condition, working conditions for their staff. And by the way, maybe because he's from Copenhagen, he will be able to deal with the snow when it happens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But but yeah, it needs something because, um, and even, uh, yeah, I mentioned that Hakan, whom we had guys on our show as a guest uh, earlier this year, um, he did a transit via Heathrow uh, going to Stockholm. So just transit. And T2 is the newest, guys. It's, it's really, I mean, newest. It's 12 years old or something now, 10 years old, whatever. He landed at T2B, which is that satellite of Heathrow T2. But the security... Transit security had to go to T2A, so he had to walk all the way, do the transit security at T2A. But then his gate was at T2B, so I had to walk back to T2B to actually uh, go in front of the gate. And it took him like 45 minutes in walking. As you know, guys, is walk, walk, walk. There's no trains or whatever. I mean, even if it's the newest one, it's not even practical because mm-hmm. I, you can actually... De- the only way sometimes like, I defend Ethereum is that it's functional, but that's not even functional. No. That's not just... It's not great. No. Yeah, I don't know. So a new uh, CEO from uh, not only deal with the snow, but make us a better airport. Um, so I mean, this flight is a 320 BA. Uh, it's pretty old, but it's fine. There's a uh, Wi-Fi and we can plug my, so it's, it's totally nice. I mean, I mean, a normal economy row, some people will be shocked that Paul does that. Uh, no, <laughs> no business class, no exit row. Why? And that's interesting. I got a message from BA probably, two weeks before taking that flight that uh, my seat that I had chosen an emergency exit, my seat had been changed. And I'm like, oh God, I don't have emergency exit, which is you know fine. The reason is business class in that flight was up to row 17. Oh, give me a break. To go to, to, go to Puglia. And it shows you, and I remember sending you the message, it stinks, double income, no kids. Mm. Like all the People were like young couples or young, not only young. I'm considering myself young, by the way, guys. Uh, but couples going on holiday, probably splashing a bit more, maybe going to weddings like I did because it's a very heavy season for weddings. 
But really, 17, the only usually you see that when you go to, I don't know, Zurich or when you go to Mobile World Congress, but you don't see that kind of 17 rows. So yeah, they, they gobbled up half of the aircraft by business class, and I was a little bit big in the back. To be frank, three-hour flight and um, so normal, nothing, you know, again, really normal seat. And uh, even with my tall frame, it was all right for three hours. I wouldn't have done it for, for seven, yeah. but I was, it, was, it was fine, to be honest. It, 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 was, it, it was fine. The service was uh, a bit impersonal, but still okay. Uh, they they give you this bottle of water that I think is the smallest bottle of water they can get away with. I think soon they soon they're gonna go to like you know um, alcohol sized mini bar. Yeah. Thing, you know because <laughs> <laughs> I mean come on, uh, and they give you like some kind of protein bar, and they just kind of. There's two colors. Probably one was resin, and was the other one was apple. But they don't even give you a choice. It's just give okay well fine whatever you know i was not really hungry or anything um i bought buy on board i bought a, a coffee i just wanted a coffee and um i don't know how you like your coffee but they they, they, they have this thing when you need to let it brew in oh, the, in the, the hot water yeah, mm -hmm. and then you need to squeeze it and then you need to stir it and then you need to wait five minutes and then you need to remove part of the package and by the way you don't know what to do with that part of the package because it's completely soggy at that point can you not just give me like some powder coffee, honestly? There's the, I, <laughs> instead of a fancy. I've seen some of those ones where you have the filter built in, yeah, to the drinking yeah. apparatus. Like, but that's okay. That that works well until the filter fails and you get a mouthful of coffee. <laughs> but generally, it means a pretty good cup of coffee. Uh, and I have not heard something as complex as you're describing. But it does sound very on brand. Yeah, overly complicated mm -hmm, for just mm -hmm. a coffee. Maybe it looks like uh, it's good branding. And by the way, to your point, this is why I always wear a, a black T-shirt when I fly, <laughs> because spillage. Oh, 100%. Uh, <laughs> people say, Paul, you never wear anything else. Um, so anyway, legroom was fine for three hours. It was a good overall flight. I'm very happy to take one like that again in economy. It was really good. Uh, um, Brindisi, my first time. Uh, it's very strange when you land there. Have you ever been no, to Brindisi no. Airport? Yeah. When you land, you have these strange white, military white structures at the beginning. They seem pretty old, but they seem very kind of military. And I, I, I knew that Brindisi used to be a military airport mm. like back a uh, hundred years ago. But what I didn't know is that it's still used by the United Nations as a kind of a global logistics base. Oh, interesting. Uh, and for peacekeeping operations. Uh, so you have uh, you have some programs there and you have like so blue helmets based there. And that, that explains maybe it's very ominous when you land because mm. it's a wonderful part of, it's very flat. The south of Italy is super flat, Puglia. And then you have these structures, you're like, what the hell are they? Are? Are they? The airport itself is tiny. Interestingly, and it's been a while, it hasn't happened. Uh, they opened the doors on both sides of the aircraft. I've never seen that. Not for, for deplaning. Yeah. Yes. That was surprising. I was very surprised. So, and then we walked because it's, yeah. Wow. So you walk, some people would walk through the yeah. galley to, to get. I don't know why. Wow. I don't think I've ever seen that. I've seen that, but like 20 years. No, I don't remember. Like a wow. Long time How interesting. Not in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and then we walked, it was like 30 degrees Celsius. Uh, we were the only aircraft, the only aircraft present. So I was like, yeah, it's going to be good. We're going to be quick in and out. And no, because this time, because it's an aircraft coming from the UK, they decided just to open one lane of immigration. Oh, and then, no. of course, even though I had a passport, I could have gotten through faster. I had to queue like everybody else, which took quite a while uh, because, you know, uh, for those 
we keep repeating ourselves, they need to check that you've not been more than 180 days and they have to stamp the passport and blah, blah, blah. But I was in the queue for that. The only good thing about that, however, is that when I reached the guy, it's the time when my luggage was starting to be delivered. Uh, so basically, yeah. actually worked out. Well, it's funny, the, the dude first looks at my Swiss passport and then, um, I don't know why I did that. You probably used to have a, a Super Nintendo. Um, he was doing the cartridge thing. He was like breathing on my passport, what? shaking it on his, on his shoulder. The thing was not reading my passport. You know, the, the, yeah, the yeah, machine was not reading my passport. That's not how it works, dude. <laughs> yeah. Was he using an old Olivetti? I don't yeah. know. Um, it took him like a good three minutes to make my passport work. I was like, I'm, I was starting getting like, hmm, yeah. do I have a fake passport? And by the time, literally by the time I exited that, the belts are there, there uh, just after that little booth, which tells you how tiny it is. The, the belt actually is one belt that goes round, and you can see the guys basically dropping the luggages on outside of the building. The, the, the luggage comes inside, and the belt is so tiny that they have another staff to remove the luggage and put them on the ground because otherwise there'll be too many luggages on that small belt. So it's really a tiny airport. Wow. And, but the timing couldn't have been more perfect because exactly when I left the guy after the cartridge thing with my passport, the luggage arrived. There you go. I mean, the, the advantage, I guess, for that airport is that you you off that airport in one minute mm -hmm. because you go out and you're like, okay, I'm out. And then I go to Europe car and I take my, this time, a Fiat 500 because as you do. When in Rome. You have to or take Puglia, a, I guess. You went in Rome, exactly. Uh, however, it says hybrid. And I was like, I look at the guy, I say, yeah, I'm happy to take a hybrid one because really I love usually hybrids or even electric, but um, there must be, and I'm not kidding, four charging points in the entire Puglia. So I'm like, why do you give hybrids to people? Yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah. I had fuel, so good. Um, uh, I drove north of Lecce to a few days of vacation. So it's first time in a while, no email, nothing for six days, uh, which I'm still paying now uh, because of course, <laughs> this is usually backlog. Uh, it was in a castle that uh, two guys, I think from Britain, a uh, couple decided to renovate. It's freaking amazing, guys. Anyway, uh, it was fantastic. And then I went to the wedding in Ostuni of Ganchev, the boo-boo wedding. Summer was there. Oh, great. Remember him from yeah. Beirut? Monty, uh, Marvin, Kay from, Kay from, came from Japan for three days. Wow. That's, he flew. And, and also noting what we said earlier, the fact that there's no uh, route over Russia. So he flew like, I don't know, God knows, 15 hours to Zurich. From Zurich had to wait and took another flight from Zurich to Brindisi, stayed three days and did the whole thing back. That's mm. freaking dedication. Yeah, man. it is. And Marvin, uh, from, my friend Marvin as well, did that from San Francisco. Same for three days. Wow. I cannot complain about three-hour flight. No. <laughs> Uh, return this time Bari. Uh, second time I've been there. I think the first the first time I've been there was in uh, around episode forty five. But I never actually talked about that airport. Look, uh, just prepare to walk, basically, <laughs> especially if you have a rented car, because the rental car are in front of the old airport, and you're like, oh, there's an airport. It says airport, and you go there like, no. Oh, there's a new one there. Oh, it's about 15 minutes walk. So you walk to the airport. It's a bit of a mess. The checking is. Um, I realized that it's BA Euroflyer. It's the first time I fly them. You know what it is, right? Yeah. The Gatwick leisure thing. 
So BA, after closing Gatwick, guys, they said, we're going to recreate a, a, a separate airline. They also call it BA, but it's so fully owned, but it's probably separate contracts or whatever to compete with the leisure market mm -hmm. out of Gatwick. They probably didn't pay a lot because they, so they say, oh, oh, you're gold. Yeah, thank you. But um, we don't have the fast track service. And I could see it just right there. So basically, they probably don't pay the additional fees for that, which is fine because the airport is tiny and security took me two minutes. Mm -hmm. By the way, security is like, um, I'm waiting in front of that, you know, the usual gate, uh, x-ray gate, and um, there's no one telling me anything. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to walk. And I walk. And they look at me. They saw, saw me walk. They didn't say anything. So, okay, fine. I'm going to grab my luggage and leave. This is what I did. They, they didn't seem very Italian mm -hmm. in the cliche. They didn't really seem to <laughs> care a lot. So... Yeah, a bit of, wow. yeah. <clears throat> and then um, same story than the other time. There's a bridge, but there's no bridge. So you go down, you have to walk, and you walk to the aircraft, fine. The airport is a bit of a mess, too small probably. Um, look, the one tip I'm going to give you, instead of buying on board or instead of even accepting whatever any airline that leaves from Bari will give you, Go grab a sandwich. The sandwiches are so good mm -hmm. with their local produce that you it's going to beat anything you can buy or, yeah, so do that. No matter if you're in business class or what, it's freaking amazing. I'm in a 321, so these are also aircraft that used to belong to be it and are BA your flyer. And I get the best seat in the house, which is uh, emergency exit 10A, where, so in front of the seat, there's nothing. So I have the ultra long leg room oh lovely yeah which is it's better than most even business class seats man i mean <laughs> yeah yeah especially for you absolutely wonderful right so uh a friend raf Croix, he was in the same flight he got upgraded to business class he was in row he was in 1f he was like yeah you have more you have more leg room than i do like yeah I, yeah i was gonna say you got you got a better deal there yeah exactly and uh, that's it, right? Uh, oh, yeah. One last thing, and then I'll let you talk about yours. Um, you know how emergency exits, when they come to you and they say, hey, oh. Yeah, are you ready, willing, and able? Or... Yeah, 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 exactly. The person in 10C, so the AL seat of that little row when the emergency exits, it was, and it's really not a dig against him because he's very kind. He was an elderly person. It took him probably, it took him, time but also explaining how to close his uh, seat belt mm -hmm. and i also saw when we left the aircraft he couldn't open his own seat belt he had to wait for someone to help him which is fine again i'm not here because maybe one day i'll be that age and i'll have issues as well though maybe that'll be a muscle memory the seat belt at least but is was that okay that he would sit in an emergency exit i'm not sure no i don't think so at least by the book anyway yeah. So maybe also the crew said, okay, there's a this tall guy, me. He's going to be able to open the door in no time. So basically, but still the other person isn't. And I'm really not a dig again, elderly no, or again, this no, no, person no, 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 in no, particular. No. But yeah, it's not. It's an interesting observation. Be a Euroflyer crew were nice, but that's it. They, they were not really caring more than this. Yeah. Let's put it that way. And I'm not saying that I'm neutral, basically. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just I'm saying they were like doing their job yeah. and that's it. Right, right. A bit like a low cost. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Not a lot of joy. Anyway. Well, look, that was already very long. So I think I'm going to go to you um, because uh, I talked a, a lot. I know it's to compensate for Alex's last episode. <laughs> uh, so yeah, three Italian airports all by B. I would say out of the three, the best one is neither. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're all small and... 
But you know what? Uh, have you been to Linate recently in Milan? No, Megan has, I haven't. Because a friend of Matteo, wedding I was in July, was also attending this wedding, I just was in, in September, showed me a picture of Linate uh -oh. now. Yeah. And holy cow, this is not the run-down, pathetic airport that it used to be in the central Milan. It's not only they have a connection with the metro now, but they also they revamped everything. It looks really fantastic, a bit like the newest part of uh, Rome FCO look. So, look, there's a hope for Italian airports. That's what I'll say. But uh, the, that program doesn't reach it out of the three I've uh, done. Okay, man, I think it's... Uh, I think it has to be your turn because otherwise I'll talk of the entire episode. And so you, you have to tell us. I mean, you can tell whatever you want, but I'm really interested in listening about Turkish Airlines. Yeah. Akan, hello, we talked about it. And the new airport at Istanbul. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I was working with you on this as I do on pretty much every itinerary I book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it was... Um, It was an opportunity. It's a film. It was a filming opportunity. I was going there to to film an yeah. episode of Attaché, which will launch around the same time as this episode, I would imagine. And I, it was complicated by the fact that after um, I had a pending speaking book a gig booked in Birmingham around the same time, so I was waiting for that to confirm or not confirm, as as sometimes that happens, before I booked it. And of course, I got it, and I had already booked. Greg's flight to get out there. He was going to go a little bit earlier than me to mm -hmm. capture some uh, some B roll, and I didn't have enough. I I couldn't get there any earlier because of the speaking gig. Thankfully, Bur uh, Turkish fly to Birmingham from Birmingham to Istanbul twice a day, and so the timings were perfect for my speech. And also that Megan was coming as well, but she was flying from Gatwick, and it it happened to turn out that there was a flight that left Gatwick at exactly the same time and arrived 10 minutes earlier into Istanbul. So it would make meeting up, at least in theory, very easy. And then we could, uh, we could disappear into, 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 into Istanbul together without having to worry about coordinating or getting her to the, yeah. all that stuff. But I had, so I had, I thought, okay, Birmingham, Birmingham airport, brilliant. Uh, never been. Turkish Airlines, never been on Turkish before, and into the new Istanbul. Right. I mean, I'd been to Istanbul many times, but not since this yeah. new airport had opened. So it was a very, yeah. I was I was very much looking forward to it. And my, I mean, you know this better than anybody. My speech was it was running a little bit late and all of that. And I'm looking at the clock and going, okay, well, it's a 30 minute drive from the venue, which was near the University of Birmingham, to the airport. And I'm looking and going, I, you know, Birmingham traffic. I've spent a lot of time in Birmingham. Mm, but my Uber driver sensed my concern um, and was ducking and diving and bobbing and weaving through the traffic, which is all very surface streets for like 75% of the journey. Um, but got me there in time. Birmingham Airport, on the, at least its facade, is not an attractive airport. It's, it's, it's not a pretty airport. It's very industrial, which I guess, I suppose goes in keeping with the heritage of, of the city, which was Britain's second yeah. city, you know, or England's second, second city, I should say, manufacturing. But it seems to be going, undergoing some significant renovation. So the whole facade is under that kind of perma scaffolding yeah. that, that, uh, you know, that seems to be all over the UK at the moment. So, um, 
it's not a welcoming appearance as you pull in. And actually, it's not obvious where you go from where the Ubers drop off and pick up to even get into the terminal. But eventually, I found it. And I was actually like, like looking at where, how do I get up to the departure level, which is, which is up one level. And I'm looking like, I don't know how to go. And this, I think they were a flight crew. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but there were these three ladies and they were so kind. They're like, no, 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 no. You go up, go up here. Like no one ever goes up this way for some reason, but trust me, go up this way. And it was like an unmarked staircase. I actually think it said no entry. Um, but like, just go up here and it sure. And they were so friendly and, and, kind of proactive. I didn't ask them like, where the hell do I go? And at the top of the stairs was this entrance to security. And I could see what they were saying. Like on, on the other side was the main entrance to security. And there was a huge queue, but it, it me, it immediately, I'm just pulling up my notes here. It immediately became obvious to me. I'm sure everybody in the area knew this already. That it is a leisure airport. 90%, 90%, oh, okay. maybe 95% of people at security were very obviously going on vacation. And you look at the destinations on the board and you look at the airlines serving the airport, they're by and large uh, holiday charters, holiday destinations, not exclusively, obviously. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's an airport where the, it's a busy airport. Um, but it was, everybody there was, was, in kind of high spirits. And I mean that there's no innuendo there. Everybody was just like, the atmosphere was really nice, even though it was busy and kind of slow to get through security. My, one of my bags got flagged uh, for secondary screening. So it took like, it took a good half an hour to get through security. I, I was in economy. I don't even think there was a fast track to be honest with you, but there was nobody sort of eye rolling or going, why is this taking so long? Everybody was sort of very convivial and happy. Rare. All ages, would you say? All ages, all ages, all backgrounds. You know, it was just a, yeah, um, not so many kids, if that's what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because interestingly, when I came back, because we're in the same period, when I came back from uh, Bari to Gatwick, yeah. This time I said on the way there was a lot of youngish couple, uh, no kids. On the way back, it was a lot of more elderly people. That's so, interesting. Old, you know, exactly, no kids in both directions. In this instance, there were, there were uh, the only children were um, younger than school age children, uh, so toddlers. Mm-hmm. And then it was sort of yeah. from, you know, 17 to 117 years old um, going through um, the airport. But, you know, everybody in, in, in good spirits. It, the airport itself feels like a little mini Gatwick. Like there's like a main, I don't know what, the, there's a main kind of area with shops and restaurants all around it. And then yeah. you branch out to the, to these piers of gates. I went into the club rooms lounge because I could get in there with either my priority pass or my, um, my Amex. There were a couple of other lounges, but this one seemed to be the best reviewed but, but to be fair, all of them actually, not just on um, Lounge Buddy, which is now on Biomex, but on, on Google Maps, they were actually all well-reviewed. And that's quite rare for lounges, okay. for, for those third-party lounges. Yeah. And you know what? It was a nice lounge. It wasn't huge, but it was it was well laid out. It was, it was bright and airy. The staff were all so friendly and so polite and charismatic. The food was had a it had a really solid food option for a buffet. 
you know, it's never going to be like yeah, the okay. best thing in the whole world. But it had a phenomenal vegetable curry. Like just delicious. Oh. And, you know, it's Birmingham. Like Birmingham is famous for its curry, you know, the bolty triangle and all that. So it wasn't like hugely surprising. Um, yeah. You went up to the bar to get your drinks, which were all free, including things like champagne, uh, which in some of those third party lounges is a kind of, it's a pay to play thing. You're, you're paying five, six quid for a glass of champagne. Yeah. No, no, no. That was all, that was all complimentary. The lady behind the bar, again, super, super friendly. Um, what was re- interesting is that Megan was at Gatwick at the same time and she was in the Aspire Lounge and the menu and the amenities right down to the pancake making robot were identical. So I, I guess yeah. Aspire and club rooms are owned and operated by the same parent company. Absolutely. I couldn't, yeah. couldn't remember who it was, but it was a nice, I had, I had given a, a speech that was hard. It was hard work as a tough, tough audience. Um, to try to make my stuff, to, it went it went really well, but it was like an hour and a half session, including Q and A. So I was pretty pretty tired by the time I got to the airport, yeah. and I had I'd gone to Birmingham that day from my house. So I was it was a really nice place. It was actually one of those few third party lounges that felt relaxing. It yeah. wasn't quiet by any means, but it was just comfortable. It wasn't luxurious, but they just got all the little touches right. There was enough seating, enough enough tables, enough enough uh, charging ports, and all of that. And I could see I had I had a very efficient communication from Turkish email, text message, app notification that the flight was thirty minutes delayed. So I knew I had a little bit more time, but I eventually wandered down to the lounge and. This sort of rotunda area in the middle of the of the airport, or the, at least the terminal that I was in, it was really clever. Like around the outside wall, they had this WH Smith thing where it was just like racks of product, and then the little pers- guy pers- perched at the end that did the checkout. So there was no like browsing yep. in. It was just like a wall of stuff. You grab your thing. You go. It was such an efficient use of space. And then around the other side were uh, all of the bars and, and eateries. And then there was one corridor up to a long pier of, of, of gates. It was, it was quite clever the way it was laid out. It felt sort of slightly impermanent, like there was going to be more development done to it, but it was a really efficient use of, of quite a small space, which why it reminded me of Gatwick, of that main kind of area in, yeah. in the middle. And I walked down to, the, to, to my gate, which... The pier itself, it kind of reminded me of uh, some, I can't remember which terminal in Charles de Gaulle it is, but where you have a long pier and then you go, the gates are cordoned off, like you have to be led into the gate, but floor to ceiling windows and then floor to ceiling windows separating the corridor from the gate area. So there was lots of light. This is like five o'clock in the evening. So lovely, warm, golden light coming in. Mm -hmm. And I went to the gate area again, like, super friendly people checking past. Hey, why are you going? What's, what's taking you to Istanbul? The family in front of me were Iraqi living in Birmingham mm-hmm. and try and going back across the land border uh, from, from, from Turkey. And I had a really interesting conversation for them. They were, they were originally refugees, but it settled in, in, and just like they had like two or three kids with them. They'll feature later in this story. And, I asked the woman who was checking passports, letting us into the gate area, you know, 
do you guys do upgrades? I was just, I was just interested more than anything than actually wanting one for the four hour mm-hmm. flight. She said, no, we don't do them. We don't do them at the gate. We only do them downstairs. And she's like, but to be honest with you, the flight's empty. So you're probably going to have a seat next to you. So don't worry about it for now. She's like, you got a good seat as it is. And I was like, really friend, like smile, beaming smile the whole time she said it. And I sat down and the rest of the, maybe I think there's maybe a hundred people in the gate area. And we were, it was a one year old A321 Neo, which is exactly oh, nice. what Megan had a, out of, uh, out of Gatwick as well. And we were kind of comparing notes throughout the flight because we both had you, you onboarded, you onboarded her to actually give notes for layovers is crazy, man. I didn't expect. Yeah. That. I was like, I want you to tell me about your experience. She was going to do it anyway. Believe me. <laughs> but it turns. So we, we, we board and we're like 30, 30 minutes late boarding at, at this point. And we all board. We all board very quickly because there's only a hundred of us. And I'm looking, or I'd never been on Turkish before, and I'm looking around, going, I'd forgotten what a real airline is like. <laughs> like you <laughs> sit, like the the cabin is really nice looking, and there's like nice yeah. Turkish boarding music playing. You sit down in your economy seat with a huge IFE screen, really good ui really deep content like loads and loads and loads of content tons of content or new movies tv shows and i was like oh my god i forgot comfortable seat the seat in fact next to me was indeed free i was the second row in economy and once they Mm -hmm. said boarding was complete the woman in the aisle moved across to the empty row opposite, opposite and so i had the whole row to me nice and they they actually took the fam, the family I had mentioned earlier with the kids and brought them up to the first row, to the bulkhead row, so they had far more space to stretch out. They proactively, she didn't say, can I move? Uh, and the whole crew just like doted on this family, as they should have, because they had three young kids with them. And nothing was too much trouble. Brought them stuff, got the IFE all set up for them, so they were on like kids mode and everything. Any food they needed, blah, you know, throughout the flight, it was... It was really, really uh, imp- impressive on on both the soft and the hard product, and we did board late. But the captain came on and said, "Because we are, are late, we've we've missed our ATC slot across Europe, so we're going to be here for another thirty minutes. Um, but we'll try and make up some fl- um, some time on the flight. Push back eventually without a, without a word from the from the flight deck and 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 take off. You have Wi Fi." from boarding on messaging was free. Um, and then I think you had a, a, a megabyte allocation for like six us, something like that. Yeah. So Megan and I were just kind of trading just to make sure like, Hey, if I'm, I'm late and Wi-Fi doesn't work, just wait here by this spot where we, you know, and we'll, we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll meet up there eventually. The, the the food and drink service was, again, really attentive. Full meal service. We had the same meal. Megan didn't like it. I did. I thought it was good. Um, it was sort of Turkish-esque-ish food. Um, and multiple drink runs. The Turkish from Birmingham, yeah. Turkish from Birmingham. Yeah. Or <laughs> did they bring it with them? I don't know. I never really fully understand if they... I, I know that sometimes they bring it with them. Yes, of course, sometimes. It, it, it must cost... You know, in terms of of load, it's uh, heavy when you. I don't yeah, know. I, I guess they do the mass and figure out is it going to be cheaper in terms of yeah. fuel or um, yeah. or or, or catering yeah. costs. 
but it was it was it was delicious. They had this they had Turkish wine, which is which was great. And I was I, I watched Top Gun Maverick while going through turbulence. <laughs> of course, I'm like, yes, I am <gasps> Top Gun Maverick. So it was it, of course, we, yeah. yeah. You have to go like like the, the sound on that. Oh, movie. dude! I had my headphones plugged into the, my Bose, and I had the thing on to like, you know, hearing damaging levels of loudness, and I was just loving it. So it was <laughs> it was a great way to pass the time. I was, it, I was maybe by this point like thirty five forty minutes behind Megan, and so she was like, she's landing, and she's like, we're taxiing and. Taxiing and taxiing and taxiing and tax, and then I don't hear from her for a while, and she goes, "I think we're close to the gate." I'm like, "You've been on the ground for like 30 minutes." The footprint of that airport is so massive, just incredible. That uh, and they and they have, I think they will have, a, they will end up with like nine runways, yeah. but I don't think they have four built or something. I don't remember, but he, yeah, you do, and, and you do taxi a it lot. It was um, it was crazy, and of course, 35 minutes later, I experienced the same thing. You land and um. Taxi, and immediately you get a scale, not just of the airport footprint, as you as you said, but also in terms of the size of the structures. The size of the structures yes. uh, are awe-inspiring. Not the, the hangars, the terminal building, the outbuildings. It's it's crazy. 100%. And you're taxiing, and you're like, then you also appreciate just how gargantuan the fleet, the Turkish Airlines fleet is. Yes. As far as the eye can see, there's Turkish Airlines airplanes of all size and description. And of course, they claim that they serve more cities on Earth than any other airline. And when you looked at the connection, they put the connections up on the IFE about half an hour before landing. And you're like, you are, I've never even heard of half of these places. Yes, yes. No, they're very impressive, and they they keep adding. I think they just announced they want there are twenty eight new cities under our target. It's incredible. They are a huge super connector, and I think they are. They they must be. They must have more connections than Emirates or or Qatar. I think they 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 really do. I it was it's very very impressive, and I don't know why I had not flown them in the past. I think it's well. You were you were in one world. That's why. I was in one world, but I also think that I um. If I was going to Asia, I would just fly direct. If I was going to the Middle East, I would just yes. go to the Middle East. There, there weren't many opportunities yeah, to, to. I mean, now I will look at them far more carefully uh, in the future because I was so impressed with that experience. And we were lucky because um, I didn't want Megan have to have to hang around because by this time it was 11 p.m. local time. If that, you know, maybe 11:30. I didn't want her to have to hang around by herself. And our plane pulled up, I think, at like Gate C one off the airplane and right in front of us was immigration like literally right in front of mm. us and 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 nice. there was no one in it and it was very much like your your italian security experience there were two guys sat who were again like 15 uh, sat in the security booth i don't even think they looked at me uh and they just sort of stamped my passport and let me through and you you come into the post i guess there's a bit between arrivals and actually getting out into the between baggage or customs and their arrivals and it's like triple height the whole you know you're looking at three floors up to the before you get to the roof or the ceiling i should say and you're like this airport is huge this building is huge no it's insane man huh? it's, it's insane I, I met up with Megan very easily and we had pre-booked a car and you kind of go down into the bowels of the parking garage 
with some guy and it's like this wonderfully chaotic organized chaos uh, there with you know it felt very uh silk road you know it felt like it should it, there was ca- yeah, 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 people absolutely. hollering and you'd be over here and horns honking but i was like this is it i love this shit i love this shit Me and too, eventually man. our car appears and i'll tell you we were in what appeared to be a volkswagen bus it was just the two of us but the inside was the definition of a shagging wagon i saw the your story on instagram what the hell was it that? was all like mood lighting all completely homemade like you could see the plywood plush like you know um shag carpeting these armchair seats that i'm not 100 percent were actually physically attached to the rest of the vehicle and we we were, were we were staying in um near quite near the blue mosque if you know istanbul yeah. uh on on the yeah, south side of 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 the city and we we this is maybe we're on the road at like just before one a.m. at this point, and we go we're going on the highways, and it's it's a long, 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 long way out of town. Uh, the air, this new airport, is an hour uh, in in traffic at least, and but there wasn't a whole lot of traffic, and we're on the highway, and then we get off the highway, and we start to go into town. I'm like, okay, well, we must be going a different way because we haven't even crossed the the water yet, so. You must, you must know something that we don't. And we go in and we're going deeper and deeper and deeper into this residential area. And, and Megan's kind of getting a little antsy going, this looks sketch. And I'll tell you what it reminded me. It reminded me of Beirut. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, I was like, I was like, this looks like Beirut. This is exactly what the residential area is. And I'm thinking, and he's looking at his GPS and he's like, looking at his GPS and she's starting to get, I'm, I'm not worried about it at all um, because this is how this part of the world works. Exactly. And I could see on his Google Maps that it showed our destination is like maybe two streets over. And I'm like, okay, there's something wrong here because we're we're on the other side of the of the Golden Horn. And I'm like, oh. I showed him the address on I showed him in Google Maps and he's like, look, he pulls up his app and he's like We had we eventually figured out that because we had arrived right at the cusp of midnight, he was looking at today's 11 30 p.m transfers and not yesterday's which was technically ours 11 and so he was taking us to completely the wrong place and he was I see. he was like i am so relieved i'm so relieved because this is not a good area he's like i would i would i said i wanted to say <laughs> please don't stay here please don't stay here he's like where you're staying is lovely but this is not good so eventually we get there anyway we had a lovely time in Istanbul. <laughs> Uh, uh just just, yeah, just yeah. one question how long did it take you from the airport to where you were staying? <laughs> um okay i know there's a little mix up at it the should end, have but taken roughly. about 50 minutes five zero yeah because that's the only downside that i've heard because i as i told you guys i've only transited it's that it's it's a much far better airport than the old one by like mile however it's far it's a long long way and we stayed. We we stayed with Greg in near the Blue Mosque, which was a great location for what we needed. And then we actually discovered um, this rooftop bar on the on the northern on the side of the of the Golden Horn, and 
actually decided to move the hotel. We don't, we hadn't booked the second hotel yet for the last two nights on that side of uh, quite near like Taxim Square, that type of area. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're actually closer to the airport. It was great. Megan loved yeah. Istanbul. I loved Istanbul because I got it really. I love it's that It's a too, phenomenal man. city. I loved it there. Um, yeah, and I'd forgotten how much I liked. Yeah, it for there. me, love, 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 love. love yeah, we we pre booked a, ca- a car going back, and because we were that much closer on that side of the water to the airport, it took about forty minutes on a Sunday morning. And again, like it's kind of in the middle of nowhere now, the airport. But as you as you approach it, it's this imposing superstructure on the horizon, and you realize we're still like two or three miles out, and it's just this monolith on the up on a sort of slight ridge, you know. Yeah. And and as you pull up, it's just like looming over you. And Greg had left a couple of days before because he had some some stuff to take care of back home, and he's like, just FYI, it took. A long time to get through security um, because there's all the additional screening as there are is in many parts of that okay. of the world. So you, even to get into the airport, you do a initial scan of all your bags, basically, you know, and, and all of your, your yourself, you know, with a little less scrutiny yeah, yeah, than yeah. you do just to get in. And I should say this now: we were not flying back on Turkish because oh yeah, we were flying back on on oh. Wiz. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, we were flying back on ways because the timings on t- wow timings didn't work out on Turkish. Um, th- I was expecting you to 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 learn about the um, a different product for Turkish. But anyway, no, I was I was Bye. hoping it just the, the pricings and the timings didn't work out. I'll talk about Wiz in the next episode because we're we're a little short on time here. But I'm getting so done with. Uh, ancillary revenue grabs on at every single possible point in the journey to the detriment of operations and a customer experience. But we'll come to that in a little bit <laughs> as because I needed to uh, have a effing bag to carry my clothes in. I had to pay <laughs> and implicit in that package, quote unquote was priority. Some bullshit, um, which gave me nothing. Um, except for the ability to use the priority check-in. And and so and we had to have our documents verified because I don't believe that you can do mobile check-in at Istanbul Airport. Going to certain destinations, ours was one of them. But whatever operational issues I think maybe they had at the beginning of that airport uh, are, seem to be gone now because from security to the wizard quote-unquote premium check-in, to getting our boarding passes and then getting in line for security was just a few moments. The thing that struck me about that airport is how much it reminded me of Chaplak Kok. Oh, yeah. The the high ceilings, yes. the check-in debt, the the you know, the layered experience as you go in, which of course is nothing that's okay. the biggest compliment I can pay to an airport. Um security itself was um busy, but but fast and efficient. I think they've got it down to an art. You have to do outbound immigration, but it was all, it it all worked well. It was all a very well-oiled machine. You could tell. And no matter what passport you had or what weird place you were going to, it didn't matter. The process was down. It worked well. And you were, you were through quickly uh, into this mammoth departure hall. And it's, just, just freaking huge. Just with every manner of this isn't right. Turkish bazaar, and then you, you're in a, 
yeah. the lower area, and you can see up. There's a huge food court on one side. Yeah. Huge, there extends m- most of the side of the terminal with brands from all over the world. It was like being in Dubai. And then on the left side was this waterfall terrace of one of the third-party lounges, and that's where we went very briefly. And this this lounge, I don't know if you've been in, been inside of it. Um, no, I've only been to Turkish lounges, it, Turkish airline lounges. It was you know. so big that they had six or seven check-in desks <laughs> just to get into the lounge, as well as four or five gates. So if you had the right boarding pass, you could just scan yourself in and go. I Because I had uh, Priority Pass or Amex or whatever, I had to go into one of the check-in desks. And I thought this place is going to be heaving if they've got all this. And it was like the Emirates lounges in, in that it was open to the rest of the airport, but spread across like one, like half of a level of the entire airport. Huge. With like an open chef station and a huge buffet, you know, and <laughs> and a and a like a long stretch bar that you would see in a in a in a grand hotel in London, and um, you know, a, a cordoned off non alcohol area, and then like I said, these balconies that go down overlooking the airport. It was it was easily without question the biggest third party lounge I have ever seen in my life, and very. Very comfortable, very good, very well appointed. Um, the food looked good. We didn't try it because I clocked Carl's Jr. across the airport, and I was like, "I I want that." Um, I I am I want to go back to Istanbul soon for lots of different reasons, but I want to experience the airport again because it was truly ex- just magnificent. Um, no, it is impressive. Uh, the one question when you. You, so your gate was not in that lounge? No, the gate, you had to go back downstairs to the concourse level and yeah. walk and walk and walk and walk and walk. I know, you walk. I mean, there's also like travelators yeah. or whatever. But I Yes, think, to, uh, at I the remember. individual but, gate piers there are, yeah. Yeah, so my, but my question is because that's where I... So that area you were, the, the big one with all the lounges and the food and the duty-free is just yeah. impressive. And it was already there. The, the one thing... That wasn't, or maybe still isn't. I don't know. Or I, I, I question it. Is when, when I was at these gates, so these piers, if you want, where all the gates are, it felt that it was meant to have a few coffee places or convenience stores. And there was nothing back when I went, and it was, you know, just after the opening. Yeah. Is it now a little bit more? Yes. Are there amenities? Yes. Um, okay. When you come out, because you're, we were on the far end of the airport from or terminal from where our gate pier was. And you're walking and walking, yeah. and you're not walking through emptiness, you're walking through museums, like actual museums, and like oh, you say, wow. like restaurants and and and, uh, and duty-free, like going, this is, this is just huge. And then you come to the pier and you're walking, and, and now they've got like, you know, Cafe Nero and all that spread out. Like, so yes, there are, oh, good. there are more amenities and interest. Because those were not there back in. Yeah. No, and I think they probably had some feedback like, you know, I'm, I've walked, you know, the length of the Bosphorus <laughs> to get here. And now I, you know, here I am. And there's nothing here. <laughs> when we arrived at our gate, there was a Swiss, no, a Turkish flight to Zurich just leaving. Um, and then we all sat down as that flight closed and they said, okay, everybody get out. Everybody needs to leave because we have to rescreen every oh. single one of you. 
Um, and so you, you, you went out into the main where the travelators were and then one by one, check your passport, ask your security questions. And then every single person's bag was re-inspected explosives testing. Um, and then, wow. And then on, uh, uh, you know, into the boarding area, um, into this incredibly full flight, uh, on, on, on whiz, which, to, well, uh, see, this is the interesting thing. Uh, we were flying wow. because, again, of the timings to Luton. And I had only ever been out of Luton once before, and I was not a fan. So I was not a hu- not really looking forward to it. <laughs> but the flight itself was like, it was it was pretty uneventful. We, we were a little bit late in the end. Um, not much communication, but it was very low-cost carrier service. Not much interaction beyond let us try and sell you things. I think w- Megan and I had eaten in in the concourse, but we both ordered like a soda and a packet of biscuits or something on on the way. And we landed at at Luton, <laughs> and we waited 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 and waited and waited and waited and waited. Like what's happened? And no one said a damn thing. No one said anything. There was no like, hey, sorry, I don't know what, you know, there's no bridge, there's no, we just waited. And eventually like, okay, front doors are open. Down and into the, onto the stairs, into the rain and, and into Luton and passport control was the E-gates and they worked fine, but that's a pretty depressing airport. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not practical for us because we both live more south. Yeah, although to be fair, it has a, the last time I went there, you you took the train up from St. Pancras, you got off, and then you had to take a shuttle bus from the train station mm-hmm. to the terminal. They've now built an autonomous air train oh. type deal. So Good. you jump on that, you're on the you're in St. Pancras in 35 minutes, and then from us, actually, it's not that hard to get. So it really wasn't it wasn't too bad. I'm going to save the rest of my with I'm going to put both barrels at Wizz Air, even though it's not just them about the ancillary revenue stuff next episode but yeah uh, i the, the takeaway tldr from this is turkish airlines wow istanbul airport wow looking forward to experiencing both of those again very soon yeah i'm not sure i'm looking forward to experience whiz but i mean i'm sure it's all right would you say it's easy jet or less um, or more? Does yeah i i think in terms of in-flight product it's, it's easy jet greg flew them both ways and and um was complimentary. I oh. think it just it just worked. I think generally was the was the vibe. Megan had flown them. This was my first time on on Wiz. She had flown them Budapest Gatwick and said it's fine. And I don't th- you know it it was a brand new airplane. I I think what bothers me about them and everybody else is this unbundling to the point of you got to be kidding me at this point. You know, <laughs> I agree fully with you. It's also the implementation yeah. of it that makes so the, the explanation is sometimes. Let's start with that. The explanation can be I don't know how it was in Wiz, but sometimes I'm buying something on a traditional airline and they call it economy light, and I'm not exactly sure of the because they say, No, yeah, but no, you can only seven kilos, and the other one can have 10, and you have like this size. And I'm like, What? It's not always clear. And even when you go on the website and you and me know how to do that, and I'm sometimes like, what can I bring? Like even on BA, mm-hmm. I was like, I had to, when I call this 
Churchill, <laughs> it says his name. <laughs> well, I called Churchill. See, I, I know people in high places. When I called Churchill, I told him, but what fear am I? I cannot find on my app or online. I'm not exactly sure what I'm allowed yeah. to. I mean, I know I'm gold, so it actually, you know, gives a little. But that's the, for me, that's the first problem is when these new fairs and unbundling is sometimes I'm not even sure what I'm allowed yeah. to to bring or to do. And then on board, like, uh, sorry, on the, the airport, it's where, like, you create 25 groups with 25 different experiences. You don't know exactly what to do and what to follow. It's not, I understand that someone with this extra spreadsheet thinks it's a good idea. It's additional revenue, but it just doesn't always no. work. And mostly, most of the time doesn't work actually on the yeah. ground. It's just, just a freaking nightmare, I think. It's just, frustrating. I'd rather pay nothing and give me nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's frustrating. Well. So, yeah, we'll talk about it next. I, I know Alex has to leave. Uh, sorry, we have had uh, we a shorter maybe episode. We've had some trouble yeah, with the audio to start. I hope everything will be fine. Uh, one other airport that we're both looking forward to go to uh, finally, and uh, Alex just missed it by a few months, is the new Abu Dhabi Midfield yes. Terminal that is supposed to open in November. I mean, they haven't officially said a date. However... And if you watch that this summer, if you want to see it in its full glory, watch Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. They are in Abu Dhabi. And I was looking at this like, this is midfield. This is midfield. There's no way. This is midfield. This is midfield. The hallway, the lounge, everything. And yes, and then I went online and I looked. Everything was filmed. So they opened midfield. Uh, so that new terminal, the new airport just for Tom Cruise, even runs on the roof of it. Guys, yes, it he is. runs his famous run. You can see everything is operational. Every it's, it's basically it's an ad for the new Abu Dhabi airport, and you can really see. And I really hope that Alex and I are allowed to run on the roof of it whenever yeah. we go next, like Tom Cruise. I'll be disappointed if they don't let me. Frankly, <laughs> <laughs> on that, I will let you go. Uh, before the music, what are your next flights? You know where you're going next? Rhodes in uh, two weeks. No way. Mm -hmm. I'm a hate you right now. <laughs> yes, my wife has a milestone birthday coming up, so we are going to Rhodes for a few days. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, but yeah, you, you told me. We discussed. I'm so sorry. We discussed about it. And for me, it will be, what is it? Madrid. Uh, oh, also in two good. Weeks. So Very ambitious. We'll be in holidays so at the same time. Let me play you the, the where is it? There. Thank you, guys, for listening to both of us yeah. just rent about our, our, <laughs> our, our plane the the next episode i don't know when it's going to be there's a few options as you understood we had, we had cooking a few things that uh, didn't go uh, we didn't prepare them correctly so the end product wasn't so we'll have two episodes coming up i don't know when that will be a bit of fun yeah i'm, I'm looking forward Let's to it that way and next time, since we talked about uh, Midfield Terminal, I want to talk about Hijack. It's that oh, series yeah, Idris, on Apple is TV+. Idris, Idris Elba? Yeah, yeah with uh, Idris Elba. Because there's a lot of plane in there. Mm. There's a lot of Avgeek trivia. Oh, nice. So, uh, guys, don't look it up if you want a surprise. Because if you look up, you're not going to have this. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Alex. Right, <laughs> Safe travels, everybody. Uh, happy travels. Yeah, be you too, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>